I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name is David Reed, and joining me as ever is Mr. Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek, how are you? Hello, David. How Hello. are you? Yeah, I'm not I'm not bad, mate. Yeah, I'm good. You got I'm any good. good stories over the last... Uh... Oh, God. Uh, when was... Uh, I mean, I've, I've had some fun things happen. I've not talked about meeting Terry Gilliam and Michael Palin on this podcast yet. What, I? in a cafe? <laughs> That's right, in a cafe. No, uh, it was for a gig at a theatre called The Roundhouse, and uh, they were doing a thing called uh, An Englishman, an American and an Indian, because Sanjeev Bhaskar was in it as well, uh, walk into a bar. And why and- don't you not say... I haven't talked about meeting Terry Gilliam, Michael Payne and Sanjeev Bhaskar. Well, because I've met Sanjeev Bhaskar before. In fact, I want you to meet him once. I've done really. an improv tour with him. Also, he's less exciting to film fans, potentially. You don't like Tan- You're trying to say you don't like Sanjeev Bhaskar. He's a very nice man. He's a very nice man. Uh, I do like Sanjeev Bhaskar. I'll, I will double down and say that much. Okay. Uh, but it was uh, an absolute dream come true. I was playing the barman, is the end of that story. So I was playing the barman on stage with them, and I got to hang out with them in rehearsals from about three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, but it was absolutely wonderful. But I got to actually talk to Terry Gilliam about films, which was wow, amazing. What, what, what 12 Monkeys? Uh, uh, well, I talked to him a, a bit about different stuff. but um, So he's coming on the podcast, right, as a guest? Well, probably not. Did you say you did a film podcast? Uh, no, I didn't. Ah, oh, because you're too cool to say it. Yeah, I didn't. Well, I, I don't know if if for people over 50, doing a podcast means anything. You're probably sitting at home drawing pictures of feet, <laughs> thinking to himself, oh, why doesn't anyone ever invite me on film podcast? Uh, or maybe. I mean, I can always try him on Twitter, I suppose. Does he but, follow you on Twitter now? Uh, no, I doubt it. I doubt it. But, um... It was no. It was very interesting to talk to him about it, and and um, he's finally making his Don Quixote film. He's going into production with Adam Driver in the lead. Oh, after the famous do- when the yeah, died, Lost in La Mancha, yeah. the documentary about it failing. He's finally actually making it, so that's very exciting. And what did he say about what? Uh, which films did you talk about in that business? Well, I got quite drunk, but um, he he was talking about. Uh, the scene in Baron Munchausen with the Robin Williams scene where he's King of the Moon. I don't know how well you remember the film. Roughly. But it was apparently supposed to be Sean Connery and his wife, Michael Palin, as King and Queen of the Moon with over a thousand extras as the citizens of the moon. And because they'd gone hugely over budget, the entire production was shut down. The, a thousand extras were all fired. Oh, and Sean Connery ended up pulling out because apparently he was like, I can't be king of no one. That doesn't make any sense. 
And so it was only when Robin Williams came on uh, that the project got saved and got made at all. Uh, no, fascinating, fascinating stuff. But anyway, they showed a, during the show they showed a montage of Gilliam clips, and it's like, fucking hell, just to have come up with one of those images, like they're so iconic and striking. How old are they now? I don't know. Seventies, seventies, probably sixties, late sixties. Well, that's good. I yeah, am. but no, it was exciting. It was for me, you know, absolute dream come true. Right. But yes, that is that is my story. If you were fishing for one, I've been dropping down trees in the woods. All yeah. right, okay. <laughs> uh, is someone paying you for that, or is it just some to relieve stress? Some rich bloke. Okay. Some rich bloke who's ten years younger than me, and is independently wealthy, and quite patronising, and hasn't paid me yet. All right, never mind. Let's um, okay, go. Well, we're going to talk about some films. Uh, some that are in cinemas, uh, well, one that's in cinemas at the moment, and another that you've recommended. So let's start with the film you went to see, Mary. As usual, working my way through the Oscar nominees, I went to see Moonlight. It is the story of a young man's life through three different stages childhood, teenagehood. Yep. And adultery. Adulthood. Adulthood. <laughs> adulthood, yeah. Why is there not a hood on the age of teenagehood? Te- te- well, there is, isn't there? What is it then? What? Childhood, teenhood. This is not teenhood. It's teen wolf, isn't it? Yeah. It's teen wolf. Childhood. Teen wolf. Puberty. And adulthood. Puberty. Pu- it's one of the worst words, puberty. It's horrible, isn't it? It's got the word pube in it. It's basically like touches them and getting covered in pubes. Well, it's it's the the time you grow your pubes, and they would they've rightly named it after the most important thing that happens during puberty, is you get some pubes. Puberty, call it teenhood instead. Yeah, I'm going to call it teenhood. Okay. So this well, like, this young boy starts off, and he gets he lives on the sort of uh, drugs ghetto, um, <laughs> with and his mum is a heroin addict. Okay. And he's a very quiet boy and his name is Chiron. Chiron. Good name, isn't it? He's shy and he's called Chiron. Yeah. I don't know what his surname is. I thought I sort of hope his name So if is... he if he tried really hard, he'd be called Tryrone. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and if he was really cool Flyrone? No, that's good. <laughs> Chiron's a good name. I want <laughs> his I want his surname to be in Keating. <laughs> Chiron and Keating. Yeah, so Chiron and Keating yeah. is uh, <laughs> makes friends with a drug dealer. Okay. And then uh, he it's, it's quite a slow moving. Was there a bro- comma there? Is it slow moving or was it slow and moving? Both. Right. Okay. And it's also slow moving. Right. So I could say it is a slow moving moving <laughs> slow film. Film uh, about. I mean, what's? I suppose the most difficult thing to be is uh, is him dealing with his sexuality and discovering his sexuality. Okay. So a bit like Brokeback Mountain, in the hood. In the hood. Yeah. Okay. Without cowboys in it. Without cowboys, replace the cowboys, Mm. black guys, and the cows with drugs. I suppose. Okay. Uh, but it's quite gentle. Normally, a lot of you know you associate with you associate that sort of 
the drugs thing was just really loud. R and oh, I do anyway. Yeah, yeah. R and being quite aggressive. It's quite nice to see what is in the really aggressive backdrop. A very gentle film. I suppose the word is juxtaposed, isn't it? You would say that if you were writing English essay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've just juxtaposed it. You go, oh, I've that's just... that's five percent. I've got right there. Yeah, juxtaposed. Okay, you just moved up from an F to an E. <laughs> uh, I suppose that whole sort of you juxtapose. I I juxtapose that the whole violent sort of heavy dance track drug thing is very much a hangover from the nineties, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that's how drugs were portrayed in films in the 90s. In the 60s, it was all psychedelia, you know? Yeah. And uh, all a bit more mellow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's quite... It feels like a very different... It's a very different take on that genre, which is nice. It's made... Directed by Barry Jenkins, who... I think he's done a... He's directed a... Barry Jenkins? Yeah, Barry Jenkins. Bloke down the pub. I mean, he's, I can't remember what he's, I'm sure he's done some good. Anyway, I think he's nominated for best director as well. He's got nominated for best film. Um, the uh, Mahershala Ali, I can't pronounce it properly, is probably nominated for best supporting actor. As is Naomi, what's her name from the Bond? Naomi Harris. Harris. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's very slow, and it's not what I. You start start starting to think, oh, it's going to be one of these sort of. Uh, there's quite a lot of rites of passage films, sort, mm. of sort of drug dealer things that sort of seems to happen, but it was quite done really differently. And there's some brilliant individual... We talk about Manchester by the Sea, there's one scene in that which is brilliant. The same as the, um, I, Daniel Blake, there's one scene in that which is real standout scenes. Yeah, This has got a couple of really powerful moments in it. But I'd say three or four right. really good moments in it. I think it, I don't. I don't think it's going to win Best Picture from La La Land, but it's very, it's very good. How many Marricks would you give it? Eight. Eight. Close, just between eight and nine, so eight, I think. Okay. Um, like a big eight. Yeah, and the lead is a very is Shy Ronan Keating. The character itself, <laughs> it's quite nice having a sort of almost silent. Really, a character doesn't speak very much, like Ryan Gosling. Like Ryan Gosling does, and it adds a lot more to. Uh, that's all you need to do if you want to be an actor. Don't speak much and look a bit upset. I think there might be more to it than that. What else then? Well, I don't know, but I, I, you know, something a quality, shall we say? Don't like, speak I think much. if most people, if you just grabbed uh, someone off the street, you know, against their will, <laughs> and put them in front of a camera, and you just said, "Don't speak very much." They would be boring to watch. You know, look into the distance. Look at. Imagine. This is what you do. You say to them as a director, right? And just look out of that window. Well, this is apparently exactly how uh, Nicholas Rogue directed David Bowie in *The Man Who Fell to Earth*, because he was so off his face on all sorts for the entire filming of it. He literally would go, "Okay, look up. Great. Okay, look down." Like, like an optician, basically. Just yeah. go, okay, is it better with or without? Okay, get your junk out, walk over to that door. And that is how the entire film was... Really? Yeah, because he couldn't he couldn't retain anything. Or do... No, it's quite a good thing to do. Yeah, do that. I, so that's what I would do. Get your junk out. Well, not in this film. <laughs> Imagine 
uh, you think you might have well, left the gas shy, on. Well, he's shy, isn't he? Shy Ronan. If you might have left the gas on Beat at home. Him. Yeah. Imagine you're you're really constipated and you really force and force it, and then let's do half of that, half of that, a quarter of that. That's it. That is the sort of quiet thrust, quiet malice. <laughs> it's worked quite well, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the only other method I know is that uh, George Lucas used to just after a take just say more. Or less. That's all he, he was. He was just a volume control. That's all he would tell his actors how to do. That's all it is. There's no real. It's not really a skill. <laughs> uh, I had a coffee next to Ray Fiennes the other day. And what, what did you say to him? I oh. didn't. He was he was busy, and I did, I was just enjoying you know the uh, the quiet Soho life of having my coffee next to Ray Fiennes. Was he, having were his you both coffee. by yourself? We yeah, um, and we were the only people in there. And you sat next to him. Um, uh, it was quite a small place, so he he was over by the window and I was in the corner, but we were fairly near each other. Did you say, I do a film podcast? Yeah, but he didn't hear me. I said it quite quietly. <laughs> I do a film podcast. Just so they think about it and go, I'd like to go on your film podcast. Okay, here's, here's a question. Mm-hmm. If you were to interrupt a famous actor in their everyday life, yeah. so for instance, if it was Ray Fiennes, which film of his would you pick to go oh I loved you in that uh, I don't know why uh, it's not his best film but Strange Days comes to mind that's interesting his his failed attempt to be a Hollywood leading man uh, let me have a look at him and see Do you, am I allowed to look him up yeah sure ok uh, you be Ralph Fiennes and I'll interrupt you ok I'll be Ralph I'll be Ralph Fiennes does this Coffee shops stink of cheese. No, I don't think it does. I don't smell cheese at all. I loved you in English, patient. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. Can you buy me a coffee? Listen, what the fuck's this about? I do a film podcast. <laughs> Security. Oh, well. Oh, so, back to the film. Moonlight. It, yeah. it deserved Oscar nomination, I think, a, as as a sort of a, a redefining that genre. Naomi Harris is very good in it. All the acting is very good in it. Makes me want to go and get a set of gold teeth. Really? No. <laughs> I mean, they're not nice, are they're they? They're horrible. Um, you know, um, what's his name from Simply Red? Has a Mick Hutton, Mick Hutton has a ruby, ruby in his yeah. teeth, but because the light doesn't shine on it, because he's got you know lips. Yeah. Um, it just looks like a black hole in his teeth. <laughs> really expensive hole in your teeth. Anytime I'm feeling a bit down about myself, I look at Mick Hutton. Oh, that's like, good. Right. Yeah, yeah, no. It's uh, true. So uh, that's that film then. Go oh, and watch it. There you go. Moonlight, did you say it was called? Moonlight, yeah. Moonlight. Well, I don't know why it's called Moonlight. I think the title is Moonlight not... is having two jobs, isn't it? Yeah. Does he have two jobs? No. He, no, he doesn't. Oh. Maybe he's moonlighting as something uh, he isn't. I don't know what. Uh, maybe maybe you could say it could be him. Uh, this is the word. Uh, what you just heard there, listeners, was the worst sentence ever recorded on any podcast I don't think you got to the end of a sentence there okay yeah alright well that's Moonlight now I think it's time for this so have we got any letters well there's a nice one for James from James Wicks 
commending you on a joke you made about saying nobody expects a Japanese Inquisition, but it's not really. It's just. A, it's just saying well done for the joke. So oh, it it's not really a letter. All right. Well, thanks. <laughs> that was what was that? Oh, that was about um, silence, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, Terence McTamney. Okay. What does Terence want? Oh, he's uh, done a Netflix recommendation, which oh. we'll add to our things we might Yes, see. we've started a list of Netflix recommendations, or film recommendations, more accurately, that we're slowly working our way through, and we'll be talking about them, uh, films we get to see on the podcast. So if you would like to make any recommendations of films that blew you away and you think people might not have seen, then please do get in touch by going to filmfandango.com. And Terence says, Hello, Dave American buddy. Recently I watched an interesting film on Netflix which I haven't been able to get out of my head and which I found very enjoyable. The film is Would You Rather. I recommend it to both you and to the dozens of listeners. Keep watching the films. Best wishes, Terence. I mean, he's optimistic. I've seen that film and I've part- I have skipped through it. I saw the end of that film. Oh, did you? Yeah, and it seemed like another one of these sort of locked room saw rip-offs. I thought it was Would You Rather, that thing, Would You Rather, you know, blow your... Dick off. No, awful, the worst one. What? What's the worst one? The worst thing you could say, Would You Rather Blow Your Dad, or that one. Oh, I've never heard that. You must have done No. This is probably uh, um, an Isle of uh, White thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what. What? Here's an email. Okay, this is from Ben Painton. And he says, Dear Marek David, buddy, but ben not... Painter. Painter, sorry. Yes, you're absolutely right. Do you know Ben? No, but I'm going to eat your biscuit while, you, while you're reading this out, so please... Can you try and only uh, chew on punctuation? Yep. So commas and full stop. Apologies if anyone hears, because I know it's disgusting, isn't it? People, but we've been very quiet. This is from Ben Painter. And he says, Dear Marek David, buddy, but not the prick of a dog next door. In... <laughs> In the voice of Jack Nicholson being over the top, or don't bother as it may grow tiresome for whoever gives it a go. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I am still slowly picking my way through the IMDb 250, having known almost all of what happens in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, mostly through a Simpsons parody, I had never got round to watching it. I really did enjoy watching it and was surprised to see the amount of actors in it who I knew, although most would have been unknown when such such as Brad Dourif, Christopher Lloyd, Michael Berryman, well-known still... Uh, for being able to play unhinged or mentally ill people. However, the biggest surprise for me came when the titles at the end rolled and I hadn't noticed that one of the main cast was Danny DeVito. I was so surprised I hadn't noticed him that I had to rewind the film and rewatch a scene with him in. Perhaps it was the combination of him being so young and playing a role that I would never link him to because of his exceptional comedy pedigree. I could think of another role or film where I had failed to identify someone so famous in a very obvious role. Have either of you ever had this watching older films where you haven't noticed someone so famous like this, which should have been so obvious? Also, would love to see you play the casting game for this one. On another note, I was also working out my reverse IMDb score. The the first film you come to in the worst 250 films, obviously the higher, the better again. Disappointingly, mine is 27, although I did walk out of the cinema 30 minutes in, the one and only time ever. What's your score? Hopefully not applicable. But it really is an awful, depressing list of films, which even sound fucking shit. Excuse the slightly long-winded email. Keep watching the films, Ben. Okay, 
Well, uh, Danny DeVito, first off, in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, brilliant performance. Sort of unrecognisable, I quite agree. Like, he's absolutely excellent. Yeah, but think, with the Danny DeVito, st- stature-wise, because he's so short... You don't notice him in films? No, he's quite easy to notice in there. Oh, I see. Um, no, I, I, I just think he's it's an excellent performance. I'm quite good on faces, so... Um... <laughs> I always recognise everyone. <laughs> well, I'm looking through the worst 250 films of all time on IMDb at the moment Where to see you find that? Best uh, in and best worst. and worst um, to see if I've seen any of these films. Uh, nothing so far. Oh dear, going Ben and Arthur. I mean, they're so obscure. Uh, these films. Jurassic Shark. Um, Disaster movies in there. I didn't watch that. That's the first one I've recognised at number thirteen. Mariah Carey's Glitter at number thirty-one. Um, we'll read out some of the names. Oh, away. Son of the Mask. God, I remember that. Jurassic Shark. Yeah. I have seen none of these films. The Beast I'm quite of Yucca proud. Flats. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if they're all tax dodges or not. Epic movies. Another one that uh, it's got two point three. I've heard of that. Bill Cosby's Leonard Part Six. No, not seen that. No. Jiggly, not seen that. Battlefield Earth, there we go. My first film at number 51. With an IMDb score of 9%. I have also seen that film. A Metacritic score, rather. That is the first film I've seen as well. Yeah, Battlefield Earth. I mean, it is exceptional. I think I started watching Lawnmower Man 2, actually, many years ago. At number 65, but I cannot remember anything about it but I think it's one of the ones you get from the you get your dad when your dad goes to the video store yeah. and you ask him to get you a horror film and he literally picks up the first <laughs> the closest video and we end up watching some soft porn one night very interesting um <laughs> so would you rather uh, no um well are there any more letters or is that enough for this week? yeah let's have another letter why not sure I love hearing from the general public Yes, it is a good thing about this, isn't it? Oh, here's an email about Lost in London, which you went to see, which is a Woody Harrelson yeah. live film. This is from Ben Raphael. Dear David Marica Bully, the Cine Hound. That's quite a nice name for him, isn't it? The Cine Hound, yeah. Really interested to hear your thoughts on Lost in London. I went along knowing nothing except that it was being shot and live streamed, like in some crazy vision of the future. Definitely an interesting experience. The camera work was the most impressive aspect for me dealing with scene changes and the odd bungled queue without mis- misstep and avoiding bashing into everything. Location management and direction of extras was also pretty stunning, particularly the club scene. The performances, especially from some of the British cast, were very broad, verging on soap opera, which was a shame. It was an interesting choice to make a comedy in this way, not a completely successful one in my opinion, but kudos to Woody and the team for managing to keep the show on the road. We'll definitely be checking out Victoria on your advice. I wonder if either of you saw Time Code which pulled a similar trick, but used four simultaneous single takes, getting a quarter each getting a quarter of the screen. By the way, did you spot that clock in the cab was wrong? I didn't spot that, no. As in, it was right, showing the actual time rather than just performing that when the film was set. Cameron did a good job shifting focus quickly, but it made me giggle. All the best, keep watching the film with Ben. Ah, well, yes. Uh, Lost in London, uh, we've talked about it a few episodes ago now, if you want to... Uh, go back and check that out. 
Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it as a very sort of foolhardy endeavour. I thought it was lots of fun. Um, Time Code, I have seen. It's a Mike Figgis film, and uh, as you just described, it's it's four simultaneous takes, yeah. single takes, uh, split in, and the soundtrack of which one you're listening to changes. Uh, but the picture of the other one carries on. And there are, I think there are three earthquakes during the film, which so they're, they're all tied together. So that happens at the same time on all of them. Mm. And then characters from one end up in the stream of the other and all of this. But what's interesting as well is that Mike Figgis has done events where he live mixes the music and which one you're watching. So he he's played it different ways round. Oh really? And on the DVD, the um, you can change which one you're listening to at the touch of a button as well. Wow! To, so you get different parts of the dialogue and story and everything. Um, it's it's a really Is fun it experiment. Good, good film. Yeah, it's good to watch. It's a good thing. Yeah, uh, it's got um, Salma Hayek and uh, what Stella Skarsgård in it. Um, I can't remember. It was years ago in Edinburgh. I watched it. I think I watched it around the time it came out. Uh, 2000 no it'll have been after it came out but uh, Gene Triplehorn's in it um, Saffron Burrows oh that's who I was thinking of yeah Danny Houston Holly Hunter Kyle McLaughlin it's got lots of good people in it Leslie Mann um, but it's uh, no it's it's worth checking out if you're sort of interested in people playing with the medium really alright then um, well well on to the next bit sure the next bit yeah. Uh, well, Marek and I have both watched one of your recommended films. Um, it was recommended by Adam Taylor. Um, have we read his letter out before on the programme? Yes, we could quickly do a quick synopsis of it, all, all yes. it, can't we? So, to repeat ourselves, this is Dear David, Marek and Buddy, I just watched 10 Cloverfield Lane on the strength of your recommendations. I thought it was excellent, a very intelligent and enjoyable thriller, and it reminded me of another very intelligent and enjoyable thriller, also starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead, called Faults. Faults is about a writer and cult specialist called Ansel Roth, played by Leyland Orser, who is approached by a couple to deprogram their daughter who has been brainwashed into a cult. So that Marek and I have both tracked it down. It's on Netflix, as it turns out, and watched it. I mean, that is pretty much what it is. This character uh, of the expert in deprogramming, he's fallen on hard times. He's uh, had to become a bit of a shyster in order to just get food. And has been slightly screwed over by his ex-wife and his publisher. I never knew the name of the actor, but he's a guy who... Leyland Orser. He's, he, he, in lots of films, he is a guy he brought in to start crying. So I recognise him from Seven and from Aliens, where he does man crying really convincingly, I think. Who's he playing um, in uh, Seven? In Seven, he's a guy who was oh, forced he... to have sex with the Oh, with yes, the, uh, yes, yes. With a knife dick. And in Alien... I'm glad he got work after that, because just being knife dick man would be a in, bit of a disappointing in CV. quite a few Hollywood films, recognise him as someone who cries really convincingly. And he does in this film as well. Um, so, uh, it's basically, yes, they kidnap this girl lock her in a motel room and he tries to convince her to uh, come back to reality. Yeah. Um, so it's most, it's it's a fairly low budget film. I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, as soon as it started, I was like, oh, this is fun. This has got a sense of humour. It's classy. It felt like a Coen Brothers film at the beginning. 
I, re- I thought the beginning was very, very strong. Yeah, and he's excellent. I've not seen him as a leading man before. Yeah. And I thought he was really, it's, really it's good. It's great to see an unusual character and that you don't normally see. So yeah. A bit of an asshole. Yeah. As and the whole fact that he was trying to save as much money as possible in this hotel. I would want to just follow his story, really. You're right. I mean, it was interesting where they went. But for me, and I'm trying not to spoiler it here, but for me, uh, with every sort of big twist, it became less believable and I felt I had less of a handle on what they were thinking and feeling. It felt like the idea was maybe too long an idea to fit into the length of the film. Do you know what I mean? Because by the end, I was slightly disappointed. Yeah, I thought I was... But it's good. It's good. If, it's a good film. It feels low budget, but the beginning, why it feels low budget. Be- beginning is promising something even better than it ends up being. I think because Elaine North is such a good actor in that role. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very watchable, and I sort of just yeah, as you say, I wanted to see him struggling with his life in a more mundane way, actually, yeah, than what we ended up with. It's also it's not you have films where the situation's interesting and the characters are normally quite bland and boring. Yes. And this was a person where he, the character was really interesting. Yeah. And you actually want to watch him. Although, in the, a, that's not to say the rest of the cast weren't good, because uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I thought, was excellent, is is very watchable. Um, and the two actors who played her parents, I thought, were brilliant. Like, um, I've seen the mother before. Yeah, quite a few things she's, she's in, But yeah. she sort of famously is the teacher obsessed with Patrick Swayze in Donnie Darko. Yes. Um, and she's she coaches Sparkle Motion or whatever they're yeah, called, yeah. the sort of the slutty girl dance troupe. Um, and then the the dad, I thought, was fascinatingly sort of dangerous. You, w- you weren't sure what he was going to do. Yeah. Or, like, there's some really good performances in this. But I sort of wanted it to stay slightly more on the rails than it does. But I, I think it's a really interesting. It's just great to watch a film. That you realise when you watch something like that how samey and boring all yes. the, the Western plots are. But yeah, I think but, it's but really how, good. how simple it is actually to set up a character as being interesting and, and uh, weird and stuff, even before the story really gets going. Yeah, you know, it was, every scene was so watchable, like fascinating. I think it's a re- it deserves more attention than it looks it's good given. as well. It looks good. It looks beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, a very good recommendation. Faults. Yeah. So Faults is currently on Netflix. I'm sure it's on other things as well. Uh, but uh, it's directed and written by Riley Stearns or Stearns, who I've not heard of before. Um, in fact, this is. Uh, I mean, assuming Riley is a man. I had a cat called Riley. Or maybe it's your cat. Was he born in uh, 1986? Well, no, it might have been. It was an adopted cat that came around our house, but I was allergic to cats. And I tried to explain to my mum that, you know, I didn't really like the cat because I was allergic to it, but she ignored that. Okay, well, this is is Riley Stearns' directorial debut for a feature film. So, bloody good work. Is Riley a cat or a uh, man or a lady? I I think Riley's a cat, yeah. So for, for a cat, I mean, it's even more impressive, really, isn't it? And, it, and it's 89 minutes, and that's pretty good for a, a debut as well. That's what you want. in touch with that cat. Yeah, you could have been in it. Oh, shit. You could have been the angry man at the seminar at the beginning. You'd be good in that. 
Why? Well, you're quite good at angry, I think. Thanks. <laughs> well, that's it for this week. Uh, as I said in the middle, if you would like to contact us with film recommendations, questions, anything you like, then go to filmfandango.com and fill out the form there. Also, we do all of this for free, so if you'd like to make a contribution to say thank you for us producing this podcast week in, week out, or week by week, as I should say. Or week after week. Week up. that's the one. Or day after day, day after day. Week after week, isn't it? Week up, because it's weekly, isn't it? Yeah, but the it's, amount of effort we put into it. It is daily effort, you're right. You're right, because we have to watch a film. Uh, then please go to filmfandango.com and click the donate button, and everyone who has, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, keep, keep watching, watching the films. films. being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra and united healthcare makes it easy with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they supplement your primary plan helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods so when it comes to covering your medical bills you can feel good about being a little extra visit uh1.com to find the health protector guard plan for you Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.